Happy Daylight Savings Day, everyone. It is Denise Salcedo, Will Washington here on After the Week, and we are here to kick off the week as well, end the week, kick off the week. I guess we kind of do both, right, Will? You know, it's Monday tomorrow, so. Yeah, we do a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, I guess Sunday is technically the start of the week, depending on the calendar you're looking at. But uh, I like to think of this as the the perfect bow to put on the week. You know, we've we've yeah. wrapped everything up, and this is the way to kind of look back at everything as it was. I think so too. And man, I feel like you know we mentioned this on your show on on Dad, but we've kind of been seeing a lot of each other. We did Revolution Week, which was jam packed with a bunch of stuff. Then we did Dad, and then we had the whole viral clip, and then after that, we're here again. So it's just a whole bunch that has been going on. And uh, Will, I need to tell you my story on why I was late today. Okay. Because I feel like I need to provide an explanation. Okay. Yes, so because literally you showed up like. 20 seconds before this show started. I didn't think I was going to make it. Like, this was the best <laughs> that it was going to get. Okay. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm running out of time here. Okay. So, anyways, this is what happened. So, last night I was at a party and I was, you know, at a party. And so I came home and then, um, you know, I got, I went, took a shower, went to bed. But before that, first and foremost, the trunk door fell on my forehead. And I'm, look at this. Can you kind of see this little line here? You can't probably see it too great because I put makeup over it. But the car, the trunk door went right into my forehead. And you're going to have a now, devil horn like MJF. Yes, I'm going to have a devil horn. <laughs> so I can feel yesterday I had like ice on my like forehead. And I have a little line here now and like a little bump. And I'm going to go see Taylor Swift this week. And I'm going to have like a weird thing on my forehead. Then on top of that, my sister's spending the night and her cat was going crazy last night, like crazy, okay? So the cat woke me up. And then this morning, I was eating breakfast and then the cat was all creeping up on my food. So then I, he was trying to get my coffee or she was trying to get my coffee. So then I had to feed the cat. And then on top of that, I'm about to start the show, but the cat wouldn't leave the studio. So I was having a conversation with the cat 20 seconds before I logged on. So that is why I needed those extra 10 minutes. Well, I will say, I don't see anything on your forehead. I think you'll be fine for Taylor Well, because I put, I put makeup on it, so it, so it helps. Well, either way, then it, it masks it well. Um, I don't know. I live with cats, so I'm used to this idea. Of, matter of fact, I think I hear one making its way in as if she heard uh, she heard the mention or something along those lines. And then, uh, I, I don't know, I was just eating breakfast. How are you dealing with daylight savings, by the way? I know I was teasing you about it earlier, but... Uh, I, I had, think had I not woken up in the middle of the night, I would have been fine. Because it really? did take me a while to go back to sleep where I was just kind of like laying there in my thoughts trying to fall asleep and I couldn't. And I had already been in a deep sleep for a couple of hours. So I woke up and I was just there like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> you know, it was one uh, of those. Yeah, no, we had a party here at the house last night. Uh, speaking of parties, because uh, it's my wife's birthday on Wednesday. So we decided to have we're going to have two parties. Um, which is an interesting thing. Pretty much it's like the sober party and the not sober party, I guess, for like the, the friends she has that like can't drink because um, she's got one friend that's really pregnant and one friend who just doesn't drink. So then like that's all for next weekend. And then this weekend was for her friends that like do. Uh, and so... But why can't you mix the two together? Um, just because so... everybody's drinking and one person's not shouldn't be an issue. Well, next week it's the one of the people is like recovering, so like shouldn't be around oh, it, period. I see. And then okay. the other person is just like pregnant and would be annoyed having to be around 
people when she would prefer to be drinking and can't. So like, it's just being more thoughtful. So we separated them into different weekends. So we're doing one next weekend, one this weekend. And uh, it should be cool. But yeah, we were up till what should have been 2 a.m., but ended up being 3 a.m. And uh, so, I, but I've been up since, I don't know, I think I got up around 7 and still made breakfast because that's Sunday. I made breakfast too, but just for me. <laughs> <laughs> Is your sister there? And the cat. Yeah, but yeah. she's still asleep. She's a normal person. It's 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Who's going to be up right now at 10 a.m. on a Sunday besides uh, you and me? Yeah, people with kids too. Like, well, yeah, I mean, that's... Well, she's a teenager. She ain't going to wake uh, up at yeah. this time. But let's get into this show, guys, because I'm really excited about today's particular podcast because I feel like the list is a little bit different for me this this time around. My it's a list could I don't think any of us, I don't, I don't think either of us have any of the same things. I because. was trying to think of what you might have on your list when I was creating this thumbnail and for the headline. So I have to kind of just like wing it and see what happens. <laughs> and if it's totally off, then I just change the thumbnail and the headline uh, afterwards. Because yeah, <laughs> I never really know what's going to take hold of the discussion. But just to give you guys a heads up, if you guys do want to send in any super chats at any point throughout the show, uh, it is so appreciated because, uh, you know, it just helps keep us funded. It helps me continue to have will come onto the channel and all of that good stuff we actually got a couple so let's get right into it we got a nice one here from juan perez i didn't send in a message but we still appreciate you juan thank you so much for uh sending this uh you are the one okay it's a joke but Anyways, uh, Deontay Slanier sends in a super chat, uh, says, uh, Will is the dad of the century. Always love to you, um, fam. Denise, you made me laugh way too hard this week. I also talked to my cat, T. Slift and Mariah Carey go hard as you two do. Have a great day. Thank you so much to Deontay Slanier, who's always yeah, I got a new lots of love. I got a new shirt today uh, that happens to represent my favorite song of all, Mother Loving Time. Uh, the remix or just the regular? I always forget which one you like best. Um, you know, what's funny is I heard them backwards. I actually heard the remix originally. Me too. Um, yeah. And then the original was introduced to me later. As I got older, I grew to appreciate the original a little bit more. They're both great to me. But uh, so I'll, I'll take either one. But either way, my favorite song of all time is indeed Fantasy. I have Mariah. It actually has her like from the video. Uh, it's it's great. This is a great shirt. I bought it off of uh, Mariah's store, um, her web store. Every time there's a new shirt up, I'm like, don't buy this. And then I buy it. And I think I have every shirt she's put out. Uh, and I'm starting to dedicate an entire drawer to shirts that are from Mariah's t-shirt store. All right. Well, since... Since Deontay Swainier brought up Taylor Swift, we do have an announcement for next week. Taylor Swift will be our guest. Just kidding. I wish. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, did she get a top three? That would be great. Uh, no, but for reals, uh, just a heads up, guys. So for next week, we aren't going to be here because I am going to be in Arizona um, for Taylor Swift's opening night uh, shows. So I will not be here, and I'm going to be traveling back, driving back from Arizona on Sunday. So next week, heads up, guys, there will not be an episode of ATW, but we will be back the following week. So I'm sorry, oh, guys. Right. We were supposed to figure something out for that, but uh, well, we'll we never did. Well, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll do, talk about it later. We'll tweet it out and all of that good stuff. If there stuff, is something, we'll, we'll talk about it. Sorry, guys. I got 
got opening night tickets, uh, floor seats. I'm very excited. Well, for the second night, I got floor seats. But anyways, Deontay Swinger, thank you so much for the super chat. It's much appreciated. Um, okay, we got one here from Jennifer Kathleen. Thank you so much to Jennifer, who says, my best of the week was Athena and Willow main eventing Ring of Honor. Fantastic match. Great physical storytelling. Two stars showing what they've got. Um, I got a text message from you, Will, telling me how much you love this match. Hmm. Interesting. Might be what, talked about on this show. I was going to say, do you not remember texting yeah. me that you really yeah, love this I match? Mean, this could be talked about on the show today. So okay. uh, let's, I, I don't know. I mean, look, this was a really, really interesting week professional wrestling wise, like in general. Um, I was even thinking about the, uh, the, what did you think about the fight forever news? Well, to be honest, it's it's a complicated story, I feel like. Mm -hmm. It seems a little complicated. It seems like there's a bunch of layers to it. It's one of those things where I'm like, damn, I wonder how this is going to impact things in terms of, like, bookings and, you know, who, you know, I don't know. I feel like this is not going to end very nicely is what I'm trying to get at because you got AW versus GCW essentially here. And so because of that, I'm kind of thinking, like, hmm, how is this going to impact things? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Look, it's it's it is a really complicated situation. I don't know how how this actually plays out, and like I don't I, I believe Brett when he says that he didn't necessarily want it to get to this point, and that he's not after any money. He's just after getting to continue using the name. Um, I just want the game to come out because like I I made contributions to this game, and I want people to like see them and hear them, and it'd be great. And uh, it's just taking longer and longer. And it feels like at every turn, like Tony said at the media scrum, the game is done. And he said it's finished. And then at every turn, it just seems like something else is coming up. Like, did you see the stuff today with the rating? Oh, no, I haven't seen what came out today. Yeah, so, you know, uh, people thought that it was originally going to be rated M for all the violence. Didn't uh, they get a T now? Well, so that was the original thought was that it was going to be teen, but now it's looking like it's going to be rated E10. Okay, so I don't play video games. Can you please explain to me what E10 means? Is that for like 10 years old, 10 year olds? It means E10D's nuts, Denise. Yes! God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you, Will. <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You fucking knew I didn't know shit about video games. <laughs> yeah. I hate you, Will Washington. <laughs> you know what, though? You know what, Will? You know what, though? You got me once, okay? Once. Uh, look, once. Uh, and I, I got have, you twice in one day. I have twice been thinking. I have literally been thinking about this. Sorry, my phone just went off. And you're uh, all I, so lucky that I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably have CTE. <laughs> I've been waiting on this for like three days. I hate you, Will. You're so I'm like, oh, you're so lucky that I don't know shit about video games. Look, all right, you got me on day after dynamite, and I was not gonna let that go. You know what, Will? This is a full-on war now. You, you know, you know I'm not gonna like take this one laying down, right? Like I'm gonna have to get you back again. All right. Thank you.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that, my friends, is after the week. I think the show peaked from here. Grandma uh -huh. Daisy sends in a super chat saying, they said IRS and demolition are going into the Hall of Fame. Should Crush go in with them or should it just be Axe and Smash? I uh, think demolition, demolition going in, I think, as demolition should be Axe and Smash. I think that's... Um, I think that's a tough one, right? Because like when you think of the theme song, right? You got, it comes the axe, it comes the smash. Yeah, like, I don't think Crush goes in with them. It's, that I was going to make a really bad comparison. So I'm not going to make that one. Um, but no, I think it should just be uh, axe and smash. Thank you, Grandma Daisy. I also want to add that I'm super thrilled about Rey Mysterio going into the Hall of Fame. For real, really I really cool. am. Um, okay, I'm still mad right now. I'm like leftover <laughs> mad right now. Like right now what I'm feeling is anger and I'm trying to move on with the show, but I at this moment cannot. Uh, Grapple Geekery sends in a super chat saying, well done, well done, Will. Uh, slow cap, slow clap. I can't even read today, guys. <laughs> I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> I got hit in the head. This is the this is the fall of Denise. You guys saw the rise. Now this is the fall. I got a freaking Deez Nuts jokes. I was a Deez Nuts master for at least three days. I, you know how I walked with my chin up, Will? I had an extra pep in my step and you ruined it. You ruined it, damn it. You ruined it. You ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the show, everybody. It's gone off the rails already, but let's yes, get it into is. it. Uh Let's kick things off with our third best of the week. Will, you're up. What All was right. your best, your third best of the week? So remember last week we were talking about on the show where uh, we said how it's Sunday, we're doing the show, but it's before Revolution, so keep that in mind because none of the stuff would be from Revolution. Uh, and oh my I even God. <laughs> Revolution's included in this week. It's okay. I got it covered. I didn't uh, include anything revolution because I forgot. And that is, I, I had a feeling you didn't. And so I have those bases covered, my friend. Uh, so but that changes everything. <laughs> like Keep in your... my mind, we already did revolution because we uh, had like the other shows. Oh God, this is a mess. All right. So. Either way, keep your list as is because you'll still get to talk about the best of Revolution. For example, <laughs> uh, we had a trios title match that took place at Revolution that was some of the most fun I've ever had live at a show. Um, and that saw the Elite defend unsuccessfully their AEW trios titles against the House of Black. Now, I had some complaints about the build-up to this match. I had complaints about the fact that there was really nothing to it. Uh, the House of Black, you know, we even asked about that in the media scrum, and Tony talked about how Buddy wasn't even there for a lot of it. Um, but, you know, the moments where lights went out, House of Black just kind of shows up, and there, there really was no story going into it. But... Leave it to the elite to remind us of what they do best, which is leave the story in the match itself. Because I thought that this match told me everything I needed to know. Um, yeah, I thought the idea that Kenny Omega and Buddy Matthews for a long time, really long time, especially when Buddy was in WWE and having those matches cooking with, go figure, Aleister Black, um, a lot of people viewed Buddy and Kenny as somewhat of contemporaries, right? And it's like they knew that the moment they started the match out with Kenny and 
buddy. But then also, you forget that a lot of people viewed Malachi as a bit of a contemporary to Kenny Omega. And so when Malachi gets tagged in, again, uh, they they tell a bit of a story of the two of them um, seen offensively on a level playing field. But then there's an X factor that uh, despite the Young Bucks being one of the best tag teams of all time, House of Black has Brody King. And Brody King uh, just being seen as this monster force that they can't seem to put a stop to throughout this match. I just thought they went balls to the walls with this thing. Um, By the end of the match, I wondered why my face was hurting. And I realized it's because I hadn't stopped smiling the entire match. Like, just all throughout, the whole thing was just action-packed. But again, the the criticism that the Bucks don't know storytelling is just completely untrue because there was storytelling all throughout this match. And uh, I bit on a lot of the false finishes. They did a really good job, especially when... um, uh, Brody puts the Young Bucks over the barricade and then they go in, try to hit like a finisher sequence on Kenny and uh, they make their way right back in. They have another sequence where they hit the that BTE trigger, the three of them. You would think that was going to be the end, pin broken up. Um, that finishing sequence with them going for the, uh, the Meltzer driver and uh, Buddy kneeing Nick Jackson out of the air and then them hitting the uh, uh, I forgot what the finish was on him but one two three we have new trios champions I think this is exactly who the trios title should be on I think it makes the belts uh, it, it gives House of Black a little bit of a, a monolith a monolithic uh, presence of like that's the mountain now to climb in the AEW trios division and they they have a bit of an unstoppable force uh, feeling to them. And this was everything I wanted out of this match. I was very, very happy with this. And they definitely needed it too, because for a while there, it was kind of looking a little rough for the House of Black. And I do agree, I didn't love the build going into this. I don't care about lights turning on and off. Uh, that gives me more anxiety than anything <laughs> when the lights go off. Um, it, it just It's not something that I thought was too great of a lead up. But then I thought, okay, I know the match is going to be good, so I'm not going to harp on it too much. But I uh, completely agree with you in terms of like the action and everything that occurred. Um, but for me, I really just thought, and it was, it was one of those things where I was was like, man, you know, I don't want to see the elite lose, but I also recognize that, you know, the House of Black would really need this and really need it like a whole lot more. And I think that the way that the match played out with it being such a definitive finish, it really just made things a lot stronger for the House of Black. So for me, I thought it was a win across the board. And just a heads up, guys, because I forgot Sunday Revolution was this week. My mind's all messed up. Um, There's no revolution items on my list. Um, My week started on Monday, apparently. That, uh, so but that, that's okay here. because I think had uh, you, you not forgotten me, Will. No, 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 you no. no, no. Like, hey, Denise, reminder that Revolution was on Sunday and we haven't talked about it yet. This is a good thing because my, for me, I feel like I didn't include enough from the rest of the week. And so I think there's a good balance here. Because I was going to say, if you're going to take three items, you can easily just take three items from <laughs> Revolution. Right. 
And so I didn't want to do that. And I'm actually glad that you've got more of the other stuff from the week to cover here. Okay, cool. And now that changes everything. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> let's get into the super chat here from Deontay Slanier, who says, this is the best rivalry in wrestling. Will versus De versus Denise, these nuts death match at WrestleMania. I'm expected. I'm excited for stardom, uh, Mania, and AEW this month. So what would a these nuts match death match look like? I don't know. Would I we think be you just like throwing nuts at each other? <laughs> like, what would it be? Like, how would it how would it go you, down? I think you just have to like continue to ask questions throughout, and whoever gets their person to trip into these nuts uh, as much as they can is the winner. <laughs> I think you need to let a little time go by. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't trust you. Like I don't trust you. My trust levels. No, that honestly that I, I promise you that's all I have. I, I so had a shock says D's death, like D's death match, like uh, a yeah, play on death, words yeah. death and mm -hmm. D's. Okay. Um Mr. CJ Lilly sends in a super chat saying my third, no, my week third best, MJF at the scrum, second best roadblock main event, worst the entire Alexa situation, and the best trios match at Revolution. What do you think? You know it's funny? I'm like, what Alexa situation? <laughs> But yeah, I get no. what Mr. CJ Lilly means because I know Mr. CJ Lilly is a big Alexa. Oh, yeah. I, I said on Grab City yesterday that um, the first person I thought of when the Alexa news came out uh, with that Dave Meltzer put out and then she put out that uh, tweet of they know where to find me. And the first person I thought of was Mr. CJ Lilly and uh, how that was all going to play out. And uh, you did not disappoint Mr. CJ Lilly. Did not. Thank you, Mr. CJ Lilly, for sending that in. Um, all right, we got another one here from Ricky the Boss, who says, my third best of the week is the Elite versus uh, House of Black. My second best is FTR returning to AEW, and my first is MJF versus Brian Danielson. Um, I feel like, yeah, like, that's pretty spot on. Probably my second would be a lot different, but uh, it's still pretty much spot on for a Ricky Goodless there. Thank you so much for setting in that super chat. Someone says, um, Benoit says, spicy nuts eating contest. You know, I've always wanted to be in some sort of eating contest, primarily like a pie eating contest. Really? I've always wanted to take part in something like that. Yeah. That is such really an, fun. That is such an interesting dream to have, Denise Salcedo. Like... I don't know. I, I can think of a lot of things I've like always wanted to do, but that's You've never one. just like imagine yourself putting your face in like a whole pie. Uh I mean I've done that, but well, uh, see, I, oh god damn it, Will. You're not talking about <laughs> pie, are you? Yes, yes I am. No, oh. I wasn't go I wasn't going there, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going there. I mean, I've gone there, I but like you made a subtly dirty joke. Subtly I mean, dirty, no. dirty joke. No, I've done that in the last twelve hours. But as far okay. as like William a... <laughs> Washington, stop it right now. This is a children's show or a family show. <laughs> yes, in some regard. Anyway, Denise, what's hey, your man. number three? There's little kids out there doing these nuts jokes. I learned like half of them from them. Devil Kazuya 27 says Jeff Jarrett for inaugural international champion. We kind of had a little go at this on dad. Uh, but I, I kind of agree. I'm, I'm here. I want Jeff Jarrett to win. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to call it right now. I want Jeff Jarrett to win just so that there could be chaos. I'm excited for it. I'm here for the chaos. I'm blaming you if it happens. Okay, I'll take the blame. I, I can take the heat, Will. I can take the heat. All right, anyways, moving on for me, third best of the week. Um, so my third best of the week is going to go to something I think a little bit unexpected. 
And the unexpected thing is we're going to AEW Rampage. It has been a very long time since I've had anything on Rampage on this show. And I'm giving it to Riho versus Nyla Rose. Who was not expecting that? Okay. I know. I told you my list is very different this time Uh around. Um, So the reason I'm giving this match uh, the spot here is because I legitimately did not care to watch this match. Like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't care. I really didn't have much interest going into it. I didn't even want to tune into Rampage this week because there wasn't really anything that I was, like, too in love with. You know, I had already seen Sammy, Action, and Dreddy. Um, There wasn't just too much that I had was, you know, really invested in, like, legitimately. And plus, I read the spoilers, so I kind of already knew. Uh, But either way, so I went into this match, and I'm just kind of, you know, I'm really just chilling watching this okay and before i knew it as the match like kind of got going i got really invested in it and i think part of the reason for that well obviously the whole you know dynamic of what they were doing was you know the size difference and you know all of that and for me the reason i liked this match was because there were some moments that really got me invested and one of them was um the part where Riho did that Northern Light suplex on Nyla. And shout out to Nyla, man, for getting so light for that spot. It looks so, it looks pretty freaking awesome because, again, Riho is just, you know, so much tinier than Nyla Rose. But then afterwards, when Nyla uh, does her cannonball and she doesn't get Riho because Riho moved out of the way. And so uh, she ends up just like going right into the turnbuckle. That was kind of fun to see. Afterwards, just like, um, even when she when Riho went for the crucifix bomb and it wasn't like, you know, she couldn't get it because of Nyla's size, it still looked pretty damn good. Um, I didn't, you know, the Marina Shafir inter- interference didn't even really take, like, it was fine. Like, usually I'm yeah. not into interferences, but it was very minimal that it didn't even really matter. But then Riho getting, uh, you know, Riho getting her win, I thought it was freaking awesome. Like, I feel like, you know, I hate how much hate both Riho and Nyla Rose get. Because they get so much hate, but respectfully, they both each get their, you know, certain amount of hate. And they were put in the spot here, main event, they freaking killed it. They have really good chemistry, and I want to see continue seeing them. I would really love to see more of a program here, um, more with Riho and Nyla Rose. Well, what's interesting is that, um, okay, I have all of them, uh, because these two have had uh, mm-hmm. multiple encounters in the past, right? First one being... Fighter Fest from 2019, uh, which was June 29th, 2019. And it was that three-way between Riho, Yuka Sakazaki, and Nyla Rose. And that was kind of their first encounter. And then things ended up coming back full circle when Nyla won the Casino Battle Royale and Riho beat Hikaru Shida at All Out. And then the two of them faced each other on that October 2nd Dynamite, the first episode in Washington, D.C., where... Riho became the first ever AEW Women's World Champion. And then they had that rematch on February 12th, 2020. And uh, that was in... Where was that? 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 Austin, well, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. That was uh, the HEB Center in Cedar Park, Texas. Um, I hate your memory. <laughs> so, but that was where... Um, that Nyla Rose had defeated uh, Riho for the... She became the second ever AEW Women's World Champion. But I said all that to say, all three of those matches I named previously were awesome matches, and that was the first time we really got to learn how much chemistry these two had with each other. And go figure that they managed to keep them away from each other for so long. Um, And uh, they ended up, of course, coming bringing it all full circle back together uh, this past week in Sacramento, 
at the uh what is the name of that arena golden one center um where the sacramento kings play and so it's all come back together and the funny thing was this wasn't taped as the main event i learned it wasn't uh, i can yeah. i can tell because i read the spoilers yeah and and reg told me that this was actually taped as the first match but that's a smart way to do that actually i think it's better like feel it out feel what you feel is the main event based on what you already saw like that right. to me, <laughs> kind of feels really freaking obvious now yeah well you know i had uh, I didn't know this watching it because I I think I just managed to not read the spoilers somehow. Um, I never read the spoilers. And for some reason, I read them this time because, <laughs> again, I wasn't really feeling the show. And I was like, let me just see what's going to happen. So for me, I usually always read the spoilers. But last week, Rampage was live. And so I got out of the mental habit because I'm like, I didn't read it last week. And so I just forgot to this week. And... But the first thing I noticed was during Sammy versus Action Andretti, the lights were dimmer. And you can usually tell during Rampage, like the lights in the arena get dimmer and dimmer because people kind of start filing out, start to kind of make their way home. Mm -hmm. And so they start to dim the lights to, to show that the crowd isn't as full. And I thought the lights were exceptionally dim for the opener of a Rampage match. And I thought, that's weird. Why would the lights be that dim? The people like really just not want to see Rampage this week. But then the next match, they were bright again. And I thought... That's odd. This is this has to be out of order. This can't be. You right. can tell. Yes, you yeah, can tell. You can very much tell. But no, I think you made a great pick here. I think this was a really good match. I think they had great chemistry. Um, they've always had great chemistry, and uh, I I'm shocked you put it on. Well, they here can. Because... Sir, they can. I feel like they can definitely circle back with this and do even yeah. a lot more because again, it's not like we're really seeing much of Nyla Rose, and it's not like we're really seeing much of Riho. So I feel like this is something that they can definitely, uh, you know, circle back on. You can have more than one woman's program, you know? So I feel like that could be something. Yeah, honestly, this really felt like a a bit of a nostalgic episode of AEW, if, if, uh, if that for makes Rampage? any sense. Uh, yeah, for Rampage, just thinking about um, it, it does feel like they're building toward the Pillars match that everybody's been talking about with, uh, Jungle Boy declaring he's coming for a championship, and Darby Allen saying he's going to uh, he's going to make one play for something, and we don't know what that is. But then Sammy Guevara also got a singles victory, and everybody seems to be looking at the fact that hmm, there's only who's one other be? who's it going to yeah. be, and there's one pillar left, and that's MJF. Are we going for a four way with the four pillars of AEW: Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Jack Perry, and MJF? And the funny thing was, you know, all of those guys had such a presence in the early days of AEW. So it was like seeing Sammy Guevara get a victory and then seeing a promo from Darby Allen, seeing this promo from Jack Perry. And then the main event is literally the match from the first episode of Dynamite. It like actually yes. felt nostalgic in a way. And it's weird for a company that's still fairly new in my brain to even have nostalgia, but it did feel nostalgic. We got a super chat here from Jake Salazar, who says third best is MJF versus Danielson. Second is Hobb, uh, House of Black versus the Elite. And of course, QT Marshall, QT Marshall uh, spinning on Twitter. Uh, that was fun. It was a, it's been an interactive, uh, you know, a, a couple of hours or a couple of days now on Twitter, you know? Yeah. Oh Look. my God! Twitter. Do you want to share your thoughts something. on that, Will? You usually not don't shy at all. No, nope. I, I don't want to share stuff. my thoughts on any of that. I mean, literally, I was like barely on Twitter, and then I opened my Twitter like late Friday night, and like my timeline is just flooded with it. And that's why I just posted the the Gary Coleman Simpsons clip of yeah, what you say, talk about. Yeah, you usually don't everyone. shy away from discussing this stuff, Will. I don't have like a whole lot of thoughts on it. I just 
I, I'm like, is this what we're doing here? Is this what's happening tonight? Um, I'm out. And I closed my Twitter and came back the next morning. And so. it's it's still going. I mean, I logged on today and I saw some like updated stuff. Unless it's the algorithm. Unless no, my algorithm. I mean, I, I wasn't online yesterday night, so I w- I kind of took a break. I wasn't on Twitter all day yesterday, pretty much, because I was at a party. But mm. I logged on today, so I'm probably still seeing the stuff that occurred from yesterday. I saw a big notes thing from QT. Yes, that's and, the thing that I saw. Was yeah. that, did he post that today or yesterday? Yeah, he posted that today. I saw that, and I did. Oh, did read you it. read it? Because I didn't yeah. read it. I read it and. That was it. Like I said, I don't really have thoughts on this at all. This is like the least wrestling thing I could possibly care about. All right. Will Washington. Yeah, I feel like you look like you don't trust me on that. You're like. I don't. I don't <laughs> trust you on that one. I don't I trust you. I'm not buying it feel, for one second. I feel like you think this is going to be one of those things where as soon as we hit in broadcast, I'm just going to like bombard <laughs> you with some thoughts, which might be true, but like <laughs> you're giving me that look. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Jake Salazar for sending that one in as well. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, let's see what else we got here. All right. So I think we're okay. I'm caught up with the super chats. And let's go ahead and uh, get into um, now your second best of the week. So let's go. Will, what is your second best? Uh, second best is fitting because it comes from the second episode of uh, Ring of Honor on Honor Club. Uh, I have to say that this show is pretty dang good, and I say that, un- I-, I hope people hear this with the understanding that um, this show in its second episode was better than the first, and I really liked the first. Uh, something is clicking with this show, and I love the way the show flows. You know, Tony talked about in the scrum how much he is enjoying booking this show because he doesn't have to think about pleasing sponsors or commercial breaks or anything along these lines. He just books a show that exists. He said and, it was closest to what he would book in his, like, you know, back in the day. Yeah. yeah and and uh, you can see that here because this isn't a show that is planned around commercial breaks or ratings or anything along those lines. It's literally just a show that is booked in the spirit of competition with grudges and angles and promos and things that just work and it just flows and uh it's a really really good watch so this week uh i think the women's division in ring of honor really got to shine in a way where i don't even think the AEW women's division has gotten this much shine um because we had two great matches uh this the Honorable mention I'm going to give was the Billy Starks versus Trisha Dora match. Um, I think that it was a really good showcase for Billy Starks. But then on top of that, Trisha Dora just got to uh, really remind us of who she is in this division. Great stuff. But the main event, it was actually my pick, which was Willow Nightingale versus Athena. These two, I think, went out there with something to prove. I think Athena has been wanting to have this match for a really long time. I think going back to NXT, she's been wanting to have this match in the main event of a show. Uh, and so thinking about what Trisha, or not Trisha Dora, thinking about what uh, Athena's been able to do, thinking about what, how for the last few months, ever since she turned heel, she's really been this uh, aggressive bully type of character. And 
uh, this match was about her trying to show that uh, she's not intimidated by anybody. But at the same time, you then have Willow Nightingale. Willow's character for a long time has uh, really gotten over on being, you know, this kind of lovely, bubbly personality that everybody wants to get behind. Um, but the side of her that we really haven't gotten to see enough of is the side where when she gets angry, she gets aggressive and she will whoop the shit out of some people. And to see that side get brought out of her and to see this thing come out of Athena, these two went so hard in this match. The strikes, everything. These two look like they were kicking the ever-loving shit out of each other. Um, Athena gets hit with... Um, a, an apron power bomb that then gets transitioned into a Death Valley driver looks so good, uh, and uh, Willow also gets to hit a, a really solid pounce on Athena. And shout out to Ian Riccoboni for getting uh, a, a really solid uh, homage out there to one Monty Brown when he gets to yell "pounce," period. And I think, and, and then even the finish, no joke. This is not an exaggeration. I thought that Athena hit hands down the best O face she's ever hit on anybody. Props to Willow Cell on it, but it looked so good. It was such just a great, solid women's main event to really show that the women's division in Ring of Honor is is not going to be something to be taken lightly, and uh, to get to see. Two black women do that in the main event on the second episode of the show was just really solid. And to see them get to do it in a way where they showcased what they were made of. God, this was so great. This was, again, I think this is one of Athena's best performances. Possibly, it's hard to say because I've seen her do a lot of stuff in the indies. It's really good. She has a great match with uh, Hikaru Shida from Shimmer. Um, that's really great. But I think as far as an establishment level talent that she's been. This was one of the best performances she's ever had. And then this was really one of those for Willow Nightingale. I think a lot of people have talked up what she's been able to do as an indie performer, but on TV, uh, it's been a little more reserved. And I think this was that type of performance that uh, would make the case that a lot of people have been making for why Willow Nightingale is it. Excellent main event. Ring of Honor is really cooking on Honor Club. and Are you I enjoying know... Ring of Honor more than Rampage? And where is it at in yes. terms of oh, like oh. how you're enjoying it compared to Dynamite and all of that? Ooh, great question. Uh, so <laughs> definitely more than Rampage. Um, I think that uh, I wasn't expecting to, honestly. I threw it on that first week. And I, I, you know, obviously the spoilers really just had a list of matches. You really right. aren't sure what to expect from that. But that's because they shot a bunch of backstage angles, a bunch of backstage promos, there's video packages and things along those lines that all get inserted later on. So you really don't get a feel re reading the spoilers. And a lot of people have been uh, reading, a lot of people have been talking about the spoilers and thinking, oh, this just sounds like another AEW Dark because it just sounds like matches. Uh, but it's not. It's not anything like Dark. Every match is competitive. There was one squash this week, and it was Eddie Kingston squashing Ben Deho, and which... 
<laughs> the name popped to me, by the way. Shout out John Cruz. But that even led into an angle um, because on Dynamite this week, we, of course, saw the heel turn of the Blackpool Combat Club. And we're seeing that kind of spill over into Ring of Honor where Eddie Kingston calls out uh, Claudio and he makes this big case for why he wants Claudio at Supercard of Honor for the Ring of Honor title. And Claudio just comes out and stares at him, grabs the mic and goes, no. And then turns around and walks off. And it was so great. I think heel Claudio is going to be something on this show. And it's it's great. I'm like actually really liking it. I think this is the right place for Eddie Kingston. If Eddie Kingston's never going to get his due in AEW as a top guy, I think this is actually the right place for him because the, that Ring of Honor crowd seems to really like him. He seems to be re, he seems to be re-energized, and Claudio is the right rivalry for him. This is great stuff. Uh, I'm enjoying it as a show. Even compared to Dynamite, I'll even say I enjoyed the last two episodes more than I enjoyed the last two episodes of Dynamite. Wow, that's saying a whole lot, honestly, because I was like, when here's here's my thing. Look, when it comes down to it, like there's so much wrestling in the week and so much that, you know, you you that, I, you know, I'm watching already. And I don't want each and every single moment of my life to be consumed by it. Like I like to have my breaks <laughs> and Thursday evenings are my breaks, you know. And so when I saw the, the list of the matches and all of this, I'm like, I'll just wait a bit. Like for me, it really like I feel like. For me, I was waiting, I think, to see what other people would say in terms of whether or not this was worth, you know, going in and watching. And even then, I'm like, okay, I think I'm just going to go in and watch select matches. And I think that's more of the thought process where I'm going, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in and tune in to select matches and, you know, see what people are saying. So, like, with you coming out and putting Athena versus Willow ahead of House of Black and the Elite makes me want to go and watch this match because that's the thing that you touched on with willow is that willow you know like you said she has this very like happy bubbly very likable personality but we haven't seen that aggressive side from her yet we're not saying she doesn't have it we just hadn't seen it yet and i feel like you do need to show that to kind of um you know move forward with eventually getting you know a championship belt whether that be in ring of honor or in AEW or whatever you need to see that so um that to me makes me really happy and also for athena i kind of felt bad for her because when she came into uh aw i kind of felt like there was this like oh yay like a new person's here reaction and then that quickly quickly subdued very fast where nobody really cared and you weren't seeing her in any major stories you weren't seeing her you know go out there and show what she can do we really weren't seeing much of athena and so it's hard for the people to get behind her when you don't really see her and you really have no reason to get behind her you're not saying you're not a fan or you don't like athena it's just you need to give the people a reason right and up until this point like i don't really think that they had given the viewers a reason uh you know to root for her so i'm very happy to hear the feedback for athena versus will i think it helps them out both in two totally different ways um i do want to ask you now that we're talking about this because we're talking about dynamite we're talking about rampage we're talking about ring of honor um there was a news report put out yesterday that we are most likely likely going to be getting another hour of AEW television. And the speculation right now is that it may be on a Saturday, one hour show. Again, none of this is 605 Eastern on the Superstation, baby. So with that being said, Will, what are your thoughts on this? Considering that there is already so much content and that Rampage, that's already its one hour thing isn't necessarily you know it's a plus status 
How do you feel about having an additional hour? I mean, I, I there's a piece of me that's looking at the economic side of it, which is that um, one of the things that I think people kind of misunderstand about uh, the TV deals is that the TV deals don't necessarily like Warner Brothers Discovery's TV deal with AEW um, and the money paid is uh, is for all of the content. It encompasses everything. When they signed that TV deal at the beginning of 2020, um, that's when Rampage was announced. People forget that Rampage was originally announced January of 2020. That was when it was said they were getting a second show. And then obviously the pandemic um, slowed that down. But the reason I bring all that up was because the TV deal AEW signed was, you know, it was X amount of dollars for two TV shows. And so if with AEW entering new negotiations for uh, a brand new TV deal, um, what they're looking at, look, what they're looking for is more money, right? And uh, there's a lot of speculation, especially the shout out to WrestleNomics. Brandon Thurston has a lot of good analysis on this and talks about um, what the, uh, the new TV rights deals would include and how much of an increase they're looking at. And if AEW is looking at a big TV increase as far as what they're paid for their TV from Warner Brothers Discovery, I think Warner Brothers Discovery likewise is going to want to maximize what they're getting out of AEW, which is if we're paying you more, we want more content. Um, and I think with Tony, it's got to be a case of if, you know, Tony wants to maximize the tapings. That was the point of... Um, because I hear from a lot of people all the time, hey, can't Rampage be live? Rampage should be live. Then it could, it could really compete and it could really show, uh, they could really have time to showcase and it'd be a better show. But the thing is, you're doubling the cost of production in at that point. The whole idea behind Rampage was supposed to be that uh, you're getting more content out of the out of the same taping. And so the more content they can get out of that taping, the more money to be made out of these same tapings. And so... I think the thing AEW wants to have more than anything else is its own ecosystem, uh, which has not existed in pro wrestling uh, since WCW. And what I mean by its own ecosystem, I mean that wrestling programming that exists on its own, um, it, that doesn't necessarily need WWE to exist. Like if you were an AEW fan and you only watched AEW programming, you're still that means you're watching possibly Elevation on Mondays, Dark on Tuesdays, Dynamite on Wednesdays, Rampage on Fridays, and now whatever this show's gonna be on Saturdays, you get an entire fill of AEW content without needing to watch a single other wrestling promotion. Um, and WWE has had that for a long time. That's the thing WWE likes to have is if you just watch WWE programming, you are not missing out on anything because you've got Raw on Mondays, you got NXT Tuesdays, you have got um, you get the bump on Wednesdays. They want to make sure that you have that day doesn't go by where you can't consume WWE content because they have their entire own ecosystem of content. And AEW very much wants to have that, even if it's on a smaller scale, even if not as many people are watching that. They want to have enough of an ecosystem to sustain their own fans. Impact never had that. Ring of Honor's never had that. So I get why. I think it would be a mistake if it's another show like Rampage. I think that if it's just simply uh, a show that flows like Rampage, big mistake. I tweeted yesterday that what I would like to see, I think AEW needs a studio show. I would love to see a studio show come out of them um, doing just like a 
in studio sit down, have Tony Schiavone and Renee Paquette host it, and then maybe one or two original matches in between. Kind of like, did you ever see WCW Worldwide back in the day? Um, I'm not it, a fan of studio shows. I'll tell you that real, right now. Really? It's not my. It's not my flavor. It's not my cup of tea. No. So I, it's I, never I, been for me. Never. I, 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 I like. I won't even be like remotely. I think for me, that would actually be a. Uh, it would be uh, something to push me from tuning in. So uh, I think that ideally the think of it this way. Dynamite is still the flagship. And I think all auxiliary AEW content needs to work to drive eyes to Dynamite. That's ultimately what they should be working to do is turning people's attention toward dynamite and i think anything you can do that's going to drive attention to dynamite is a good thing so to me i'm looking at i will look at a studio show potentially as something that could drive more eyes to it if you have again like i said like a renee and tony kind of talking about the content of the week and somebody who maybe is just channel surfing on a saturday comes across this content and is like oh this is what's happening so on wednesdays this would I need most to likely be just like a bonus this isn't something where like you have to tune in because that That's... to me is what it's feeling like like for me if you do a show like that you're telling me i don't have to tune in necessarily right I, i'm I already think... watching all the other product I think it's a, so I don't know what it's uh, this is personally what I would be doing so if for I were me, like what would make this a must-see show who I don't think they need any more must-see must-see shows I okay, think they so need to then be doing this should just be like a bonus for whoever cares to watch I think they need to be driving eyes to dynamite I think that's okay. ultimately that should be the goal is any more any more content you put on needs to be guiding people over to dynamite um, because ultimately that's the flagship, that's the money maker, that's everything. And if I were TBS, I, that's what I would be working on is what more content can I produce to make people want to watch Wednesdays? Exactly. Okay. Okay. We got that settled. Ricky, the boss sends in a super chat saying, watched FTR's podcast. What's y'all favorite tag team on my all time favorite tag team. And this is probably nostalgia based too, is the Hardy boys, because you know, they're the reasons that I got into it. <laughs> Like, they were the part of the reason why I got into wrestling. Like, that was my era growing up. Like, Lita, the Hardy Boys. I hear that so much. Uh, And that's always so interesting to me because... It's like they were so freaking cool. Like, I had never seen a cooler, you know, trio at the time. Like, to me, that was freaking awesome. So, I think, like, for me, it's still a lot of nostalgia with the Hardy Boys. So, is it cheating if I say... Okay, so on the Hardys thing, I, I love that because of the fact that this is been a very recent revelation for me like honestly really? i I've, I've been watching wrestling my entire life right and so i'm 35. so the hardys came around for me when i was a teenager and for that i they didn't really like draw me in and so i liked the hardys but i didn't see it the way a lot of people did but i was actually having a conversation with actually an ex-girlfriend recently and uh she had brought up the fact that the hardys were what drew her into pro wrestling yeah and it's like the you know and like i know you see like you and i have a five-year age difference and i know that doesn't seem like a lot but it kind of is when you no, think I about like when you started watching wrestling when you start when you became a fan what drew you in like for and so for me like even though five years may not seem like a lot it kind of is when you're talking about content and when you started oh, watching sure. something Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's the difference between, um, you know, I was an adult with uh, through all of Cena's run, but obviously that 
Right. That's a, that five-year difference makes an absolute difference there. And I have a feeling we're going to... Like, um, think about where we were in life. Like, when I was 10 years old, I was in fourth grade. You were already in high school. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, and that's two totally different worlds. That is. That, I like it. Now that we're adults and we're both in our 30s, it's a little bit different. Right. It's like, okay, but we're back the then, point, it was but... like those primitive years. But you, you jump. You really, really jump. I feel like when you're in elementary, you and, and from elementary like from we had because my school was elementary intermediate school and then high school but i completely changed like different personalities from like elementary to intermediate and intermediate to high school so even though it's not that far apart having like high school me and elementary me polar or even just like first year intermediate completely different person yeah i i as a matter of fact that probably explains a lot that that actually kind of explains the uh almost a taylor swift difference for you and i because thinking about the fact that in 2009 when like taylor swift was really like kind of on top of the world i mean not that she's not now i'm not saying she's not now Denise. i wasn't assuming okay, that you were i know but when taylor swift's like profile really like exploded in 09 by that point i was 21 years old like i don't yeah you missed yeah. the ship yeah <laughs> right so like uh, that is still a uh that's what happened to me with the jonas brothers you know like uh -huh. they were super hot but i never got into the jonas brothers because i was above the age group at that point <laughs> right. but the backstreet boys all up on it and then same thing <laughs> go back to my mom you think she was all up on the backstreet boys no her thing was new kids on the block so it's kind of like that but in wrestling as well jose yes. palomares sends in a super chat saying just want to pop by and thank you guys for day after dynamite your duo dynamic is just really cool Thank you so much to Jose for sending this in. It's much appreciated. By the way, to answer the question on my favorite tag team, I don't know if it's oh, a cheap sorry, answer Will. because the New Day is technically my favorite <laughs> act in the history of pro wrestling. I don't think there's ever been a better act than the New Day. But it's kind of cheating because they're a trio. And so... I would uh, count them. How do you not... No, I mean, I would definitely count them because it's not like it's... I would count them. Will. Okay, fine. Then it's yes, the New Day. Sure. I actually think that they are the greatest act in the history of pro wrestling. There's nobody in pro wrestling I relate to more than Xavier Woods. Sometimes he will post references that I think were solely for me because uh, I can't think of another person who's this about. Or like he'll post a Power Rangers reference and I'm like, yes, that guy is for me. Both those, both Xavier and Kofi wore the the Power Rangers gear. They both had the the Tommy gear with the the Green Ranger and the White Ranger. That's for me. And so those guys, <laughs> that those guys are the greatest act in the history of professional wrestling. I love the New Day, and it's true they what are they my say, favorite. man. We tend to draw, we connect with people that most relate to us. Okay, like that's part of the, you know how it works. Caden C sends in a super chat saying, "It's me." Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Thank you so much to Caden. Uh, Did I really go robotic for a minute and you weren't going to tell me? No, you didn't go robotic. Did you? The, chat, the chat's saying I did. They're saying I'm oh, back now. I'm sorry, Will. I didn't notice. Okay. <laughs> well, now it's my turn for my second best of the week. All right. So let's get to it. My second best is going over to the raw side of things. It's been a while, too, since I've had anything from raw on this list. And I am going with the confrontation between Austin Theory and John Cena. And the reason why I'm putting this in here is because, again, this is something that I'm like, yeah, it's cool to see John Cena, but um, I'm that person that appreciated John Cena more 
once he left than when he was actually with the company. I know I was a John Cena hater. Like I was hating. I, I've told you this before. Uh -huh, I was yeah. a John Cena hater because to me, only like the women and children were John Cena fans. And I didn't want to be. It's like, and you're like, I'm not a woman or child. And, and I was a woman and a child. <laughs> but I wanted to be cool. You know, I wanted to be different. And so I hated John Cena. So I was a hater. But it was until later on that I was like, oh, you know what, when I grew up and I was like, hey, John Cena, I'm actually a fan now. You know, just things changed, whatever. So, but I'm always happy when John Cena comes to the shows and whatnot. But either way, it, this was still like, I was curious to see how they were going to do it. But curious doesn't necessarily mean I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like, that's not what I was really feeling. But anyway, so this whole thing, the reason why it's on my list is because but I love, I like, bless Austin Theory's heart here, but John Cena fucking buried him so bad here. It was like, John Cena went like full, like we've seen Savage John Cena plenty of times, but you know, it's been a while since we'd seen it. So he went like full Savage John Cena mode and he just said some things where I was like, damn, look, when Austin Theory brought up the fact that John Cena was balding, I was like, damn, that's kind of messed up, man. Like, you're thinking that's embarrassing. Like, this is a Hollywood actor. A Hollywood well, actor needs to be A-plus looks, Will. You don't want to well, be called out for being bald. Well, especially considering, uh, for those who know the history, uh, there used to be a rule in WWE because he was so sensitive about it that Perfect. back in the 90s, you could not talk about Hulk Hogan's yep. baldingness, despite the fact that that motherfucker was bald. And, <laughs> and you, everybody knew it. And yes. everybody knew it, but you could not talk about it. You did not mention Hogan's baldness. It was against the rules as far as promos were concerned. Nobody talked about Hogan's baldness. And the fact that John Cena, a top guy in wwe in hollywood too. in hollywood allowed that that's yes that's what i thought i, I was like oh my god like that's pretty massive and you know what's crazy about that is that i do wish that the moment would have felt like a bigger burn i feel like the moment just went by so fast but anyway so austin theory's line calling you know talent referring to john cena's baldness i thought was kind of like oh shit i can't believe we went there but then when you come with uh john cena john cena when he said the whole part about, um, quote, I would so much rather be bald than have them pipe in fake crowd noises for my matches because nobody cares. Will, how do you bounce back from that? That's freaking embarrassing. I thought, I can't believe they even mentioned that on TV. It's because breaking the fourth wall. I mean, it's really breaking the fourth wall there because it's not like you... Um, it's something that's not talked about, you know, on TV, on the program. You should talk about that because it's that's the thing. Because that's the thing WWE does. They don't do it as much now. No, and but they I did actually, do it for a good amount of time. They did it for a lo long time and a big part of it. Because uh, I remember I, I I talked to one of the guys in that department who's actually a good friend of mine um, who mentioned to me the because the, the entire reason they were originally doing it i think the people thought that it was more of a nefarious thing they're like oh they're just trying to manipulate crowd reactions my understanding of it originally was that when they first let crowds back in they kind of had a little bit of nerves about it because masking was still um required in certain places and they were like we can't trust that we're gonna have crowd noise actually like we'll have the visual of people but like what is it all gonna sound muffled and so the idea was let's still use the crowd noise from the Thunderdome, but we at least have the visual of the people there. And then 
that really stuck around till like Hunter took over and Hunter was very much adamant like look we might still do it during entrances we'll do it during some promos depending on how over somebody is but we do not do it during during matches anymore and like once Hunter took over it was gone from matches and it's still gone from matches you still hear it in promos a little bit you still hear it definitely in backstage segments uh entrances for sure but definitely never during matches. But regardless, it's not a thing you bring up on TV. You're, it's not supposed to be real. Like it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be the crowd. And so, uh, it's it's just it is interesting that they bring that uh, that he brought that up. And uh, I mean, I'm glad you picked this because I it I was a to talk good burn, it. Will. But at the same time, it was like, okay, you're not just burning Austin Theory here. Like you're burning a bunch of people and also exposing the company. <laughs> for doing it you know so it's yes. one of those things where i thought damn that was good but it was also pretty bad and then also with him basically at the end i love the part where he's telling him um i wish you luck dude because we all know that you don't have it here points to his head we know you don't have it here points to his heart and then he says we know you don't have it here and then sucker punches him in the dick and then afterwards he goes "Ooh, you really need to work on that last little bit genuine question though how does one work on that like i could understand working on the heart I can understand working on even getting working on the mind. How, how does are pills? you okay. do you not take pills? Uh, can you take pills? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, what this are we talking? My area of expertise here. Right. So that's why I'm genuinely. It, it is my area of expertise, and I don't know how one necessarily works on that. Um, <laughs> like you got it or you don't. And so that's. <laughs> You so, got it or you don't, ladies. So and that ben. was that was what I was thinking in that exact moment. Um, I thought this was cool. I thought this was fine. I think that um, I have a little bit of an issue with the predictability of John Cena feuds, and it's been this way since forever. Which is that uh, you mentioned this is not the first time Cena's burned somebody. It's not, but also that's because. There seems to be a formula with WWE, and that's where whenever Cena gets in this mode, it's because he's going to lose. And there's, I can't think of a time where, other than maybe Baron Corbin, where he got to verbally put someone in the ground and then beat them on top of it. It's usually a case of he, it, because he did this with Roman Reigns. He did this with Randy Orton. He's done this with AJ Styles. All of these guys, whenever they get, whenever Cena gets to, uh, verbally put them in the ground. It usually means that the opponent is walking away with the victory. He even did this to the Undertaker going into WrestleMania 34. Remember all that stuff we talked about? Undertaker being old, being worn down, being washed, and then Undertaker squashed him at WrestleMania. Like this is just how it usually goes. And uh, so there's one piece of me that's like, okay, I have no question that Austin Theory is winning this. It's just a matter of how we get there. But uh, it's always entertaining to see. So. You know, it's funny that you mentioned not liking Cena until, like, later on. I've always been of the belief that the John Cena of 2015, which was the one going out there having those banger matches, U.S. Open Challenge, all that stuff, if he could have come in that way as a main eventer, the negative reactions never would have existed. I think that... uh there's a little bit of revisionist history on Cena, but like, go back and watch some of those Raw matches from 2005 when he first got to the, when he first got drafted. He fucking stunk. Like, I mean, he was like lacking the 
basics of professional wrestling matches and like was like genuinely clumsy in the ring and that was ultimately why crowds turn on turned on him and i was a big cena defender back then uh but i recognized that like god this guy just like doesn't have it and it was like learning on the job and luckily he eventually did and by like 06 07 all that stuff was gone but the problem was like the stink of the stuff he was doing at 05 like was permanently attached to him and i get why people hated him Jake Salazar tries to get me to read a mean tweet about Taylor Swift. It's not going to happen, but he calls Taylor Swift overrated. Look, Jake, 14 million people tuned in to try to get Taylor Swift Eras Tour concert tickets. I'm good if you think Taylor Swift is overrated. We don't need any more fans. 14 million people tuned in to try to get tickets. Thank you, Jake, for the super chat. All right, uh, moving on from here. Uh, let's see if we got any more. If not, let me keep uh, pressing on here. All right, cool. I'm up to date with all of the comments. Uh, and let's get into, uh, we're getting into our worst now. Or did, yeah, right? Our worst now? Jesus, worst, sometimes yep. I forget the, our own uh, format of the show. Will, what is your worst of the week? I feel really bad about this because I'm really 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 proud of the guy like very much extremely excited to see what powerhouse Hobbs does with the tnt championship very excited to see what he does i think he had a great match with wardlow i think that it was uh, a perfect big meaty men slap and meat type of match and uh loved everything they did in ring i honestly didn't even mind QT Marshall's initial interference, and I'm not so down on the alliance of the two. But the ending just wasn't any good. Uh, I think that crash pads have been the bane of AEW's existence in terms of uh the moments when they happen because that looked like the all-time softest landing for uh for, for a big man like Wardlow. <laughs> yes uh and the way he landed the way he hit i also think it didn't do hobbs any favors needing qt's help to even hit the slam i think that um Again, I didn't mind QT's interference. I think him maybe even serving as a distraction to Wardlow would have been fine. But I think it didn't do Hobbs any favors to do the double choke slam off the, the ramp. I think that was a mistake. And then again, the landing didn't look any good. And I thought that I was all in on everything here up until that. And it just took me out of it. I just felt so deflated when that happened that I'm like... God, I wanted him as TNT champion so bad. I still am rooting for Powerhouse Hobbs as TNT champion. God, I wish that ending had gone better, but that was my least favorite thing this week. Yeah, you know, we talked about this on Dad, and yeah, I agree in terms of I, I don't necessarily think he needed that much help from QT. I think, like you said, the interference fine. It forms that they're going to be doing this whole allegiance. That's fine. But I think him having him having to help him out kind of took away just a tad bit from the moment which was annoying because you know he didn't need it you know he didn't need it and you were still excited to see uh to see Hobbs become TNT champion so it is one of those things where you're like damn it was almost perfect but because of that it did take away and the crash pad as well the crash pad what can I say uh I can't I can't disagree with you on that we've seen that happen quite a bit in AEW and I think they need to maybe put just a little bit of extra thought when it comes into when they do these particular spots. All and right, and guys, I'm not down on 
uh, actually, we'll, we'll get to it in yeah. sec. Well, so we'll get to Chi Town Spurs kind of addresses what I was about to say. So okay. we'll read that. Orion Ben 666 sends in a super chat saying, Yep, QT was edged to Hobbs's RVD and Wardlow Cena. Chi Town Spurs says, I don't mind it at all aside from the crash pad, which I understand considering Anna Jace dislocated ribs, but it's a terrible visual. It is a terrible I, visual. I think you, sh- I think using crash pads is correct. WWE uses crash pads, everybody uses crash pads. But there's, you don't want to show the impact of, and again, hindsight's 2020. I've been in control rooms. I actually worked as a technical director on a show called Colorado Rising with the late Larry Nelson. Um, and I, I have had to call like live TV shots. I know how all of that works. And I recognize I've had those moments where I wanted the right shot and realized in hindsight, damn, I would have had a better shot uh, had I called it a different camera angle. I know all of that. And so I, I sympathize with regretting not getting the right cut. And uh, so this isn't really some, one of those things I'm like faulting anybody for, but more so it's just, it's unfortunate. unfortunate. It's just unfortunate because uh, I think having, showing the impact from the angle of the crash pad was a mistake because you then show how much of an impact the crash pad got, which didn't feel like much. Had they shown it from the stage angle, which they showed on the replay, it would have looked much better, much differently. And you wouldn't have seen how much cushion Wardlow actually got. And I think what made it look even worse was that he landed so softly and then was down for a 10 count. And I'm like, oh my it's like God. It looked like a pillow to me, like a pillow uh, rising. You know when you lay on your pillow and it like rises on the sides? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. exactly what it looked like. Yeah, I was almost like, God, I just, I want somebody to just like tell him, look, the impact didn't look any good. Just stand up and get kicked in the face. Just to, just to yeah, do something was, else yeah. that would have looked better than He's alive staying again. down. Boom. <laughs> right? Just something that will look any better than landing on the crash pad and staying down for a 10 count. Chi-Town Spurs, thank you so much for the super chat. All right, guys, we are um, rearing towards the end of this podcast. So please, uh, any last minute super chat to you're more than welcome to send in. Uh, we got uh, Benoit Richer here who says someone should say to QT that no one wants to see a QT. V, I mean QTV. Sorry, English is my second language. Um, okay, so um, thoughts on how are you feeling about QTV so far? I, I mean, mean, we don't. I don't know what it me. is. Yet. They fooled me though with that whole Wardlow breaking car break-in thing. I bought that. I did too. Uh, I really thought that the belt was stolen, and uh, I thought all of that was legit. I didn't even consider it was a QTV thing until. Uh, but we're apparently going to see the footage this Wednesday. They're going to reveal what actually happened to Wardlow stuff. <sighs> Making us uh, because, all look like clowns. Yeah, because that was the the actual belt. That was the same belt that uh, the one that Hobbs had on Wednesday was the actual belt that Wardlow's been carrying. That was not a another version of the TNT Championship. Benoit, thank you so much for sending in this super chat and for also being a member here of the YouTube channel. It's much appreciated. All right, so now let's go ahead and get into my worst of the week so my worst is a little bit different in terms of usually my worst i absolutely hate and i'm like oh this was awful this was just more so of unfortunate i would say and just a disinteresting and that was my thing for this one and why i chose this one as my worst so what i went with here is actually the smackdown women's championship uh well actually 
I forgot the title was even on the line. It wasn't on the line, but it was Charlotte Flair uh, defeating Shotzi. Um, the reason why this one here is on my worst is because it just wasn't good. It just technically speaking, it wasn't good. Some of the stuff that was done looked like it was in slow motion. Um, I think this week was really phenomenal for a lot of women. We've talked about several of those matches already. And this one um, happening on a stage on SmackDown with your SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte and with Shotzi, it unfortunately just was not good at all. And uh, I'm glad that they kept it for the most part relatively short and Charlotte, you know, wins with her figure eight, but it's not the kind of match that I feel really bad for Shotzi because I feel she's had more hit, uh, more misses than hits on WWE, especially since she's gone to the main roster. And it's kind of causing the fans, I would say, to just almost instantly be disinterested in her work. It's almost because we've been seeing, you know, she got a lot of heat from that Money in the Bank match, uh, you know, because of all the botches and this and that. And then the response and the backlash that happened afterwards, it was just not good. It wasn't a good look. Um, and then ever since then, I feel like it just has kind of gotten a little bit worse where we haven't been able to see her have a moment to bounce back, right? Like usually when somebody has like a rough, a little rough patch or something, you see them bounce back. We haven't seen that yet for Shotzi. And, you know, she's super cool, right? Like she's got a great look. Uh, she's got great energy. I really like that about Shotzi. But unfortunately, a lot of her matches just haven't been um, what, you know, what they would hope to be. So I do feel bad. I hope that, you know, she eventually bounces back on her feet and that she, you know, gets some good matches underneath her belt so that, you know, that could kind of get away from what you associate Shotzi with. So unfortunately, I do have to put this match at my worst just because I didn't think it was good. Yeah, I watched the clip of the match. I didn't actually see the match because the Nuggets were playing at the same time. Uh, speaking of which, the Nuggets play in 30 minutes, so uh, we are going to wrap this show it's, uh, very shortly. But anyway, um, I didn't see this match, but I saw the clip going around. And uh, it very and the, the caption, of course, on the clip, shout out to who posted it. I forgot who it was. I think it was Drain Damager. But it said um, that they did not slow down it was the caption just says i did not put this in slow motion this is the actual clip as is and whew, rough i it's one of those things where if you don't necessarily have the timing for those types of sequences i would almost rather prefer just like standard rest just yeah just like standard wrestling affair um go for moves and holds and less of the sequency type stuff if you don't have the the timing for it and that was just unfortunate to watch yeah i agree so that's why unfortunately i had to put it on here uh and i hate i didn't want to you know just i don't know how to explain like, i didn't want to shit on this match but i also have to recognize that it was not not good uh, devil kazuya 27 sends in a super chat saying thoughts on jr's commentary for me so bad it's good um Look, I've had my issues with JR's commentary and primarily there are some the my issues previously for me were um it was too obvious when he didn't like somebody and that was always like kind of a little bit of an issue for me cuz I'm like you're not supposed to be burying these guys like dude you're part of the company like put these guys over type deal. For me the other issue that I have is a lot of the comments that have been made previously on women's matches they come across as a little bit uncomfortable. And so that's kind of been my issue. Um, but now that he's kind of seen a little bit more, uh, you know, sporadically, it, it, I feel like I've got, I've, it's been a little bit more tolerable. I think it's because it's, it now feels a little bit more like, 
hey, grandpa's coming to visit and less of a uh, like, hey, grandpa lives with us kind of thing, right? Like it's, you get it less so you could probably tolerate it more. Um, it's interesting because I was watching a little bit of some uh, old AEW stuff. I, I, I've mentioned how I watch Revolution 2020 a lot because it's one of my favorite shows. And I forget how like in early AEW, how like high energy JR used to be and how enthusiastic he actually was in the beginning but it is but this is a man in his 70s and four years makes a big difference to in your 70s and he just really sounds tired now and that's uh it's unfortunate but that's where we're at with jr it's tough because here's the thing like on one hand I don't, I feel bad when, like, I love older people. So this is going to sound really wrong, like weird, weird, but I love old people. Okay. I really do. And I don't like to see people be discriminated against because of Mm -hmm. age. And I like to see older people, you know, get jobs and opportunities and all of that because, you know, one day we're going to be old if we're lucky. And, but at the same time, when it comes to this specific, specific job and this specific thing, I'm like, we need new voices. We need new voices. We need new personalities. We need uh, just something that's more hip and more Mm -hmm. in tune with what's going on right now in the 2023 world. And so that is a little bit of like a, it's kind of hard to say, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to be honest. Yeah. um, And like I said, it's just, I I agree with you that I don't want to necessarily feel discriminatory either. You know what's weird to me though? For whatever reason, as JR has kind of aged and felt like he's just gotten older and more tired, on the other side of that, and maybe it's just because I've been watching the guy since 1991, but I used to think Tony- before I was born. But I was gonna say, Tony Schiavone, I used to think was the lamest commentator on earth, (laughs) but, and part of it is probably just because he grew a beard, but somewhere in the last 10 years, Tony Schiavone comes off a lot cooler to me than he ever has. Next to JR? Maybe that's it. But also just in general, he comes off a lot better now than he did in the 90s where I thought, you know, this this Kendall looking dude who has <laughs> like very little personality. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan, but I love Tony Schiavone now. I don't know what, how this happened, but I absolutely love Tony. Yeah, but I do definitely think we do need new voices because think about where we're going to be in 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Like, who are going to like who are we going to be seeing on commentary if right now we're still seeing the same people from like 20 years ago? Yes. Okay. I do think it has to, you know, evolve, right? It has to evolve. But yeah. Ryan Smith sends in a super chat saying, if we get Ray and Dominic at Mania, with Ray going in the Hall of Fame and Mania being two hours from San Diego, can you see Dom retiring his dad? Um, well, the Hall of Fame is going to be happening, obviously, before WrestleMania, and I have a feeling they're not going to want to do that just because, you know, he is... Uh, Oh, oh, I know what you mean on actual WrestleMania. Sorry, guys. I'm a little bit spaced out right now. This was actually my theory I, on SmackDown. I was talking about this. My theory. I have two theories. One, and they're pretty much both in line with the same thing, is that um, I think that either Rey Mysterio has already let it be known that he's going to be retiring soon. And that is why they were like, okay, this is it. Like, this is the time to induct him in a city where it makes sense to induct him because, you know, it's so close being to San Diego. 
So that's my like first thing was like, okay, maybe he's not retiring right away, but he's going to be retiring soon. But then the other one that I spoke about on my show was, dude, there's a good chance that Rey Mysterio and Dominic that ends up being his last match at, you know, at WrestleMania. And what if he just hands Dominic Mysterio his mask at the end of the match? I don't feel like I wouldn't that, be ready for that. <laughs> I, I feel like it's not that far away from the, you know, from, from it happening. Like it's not so outrageous. And, um, you know, they do have, I think, I don't remember if it was Ray himself or if it was WWE, but they did do like, at some point I remember reading about like the Prince Mysterio trademark. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, yeah, that that was at one point when they thought Dominic was going to be right, like, right. I mean, they uh, still have it, right? I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming they still have it. Yeah, There's a good possibility that this could happen, and I sensed it the second that the announcement was made. Um, but in terms of something happening at Hall of Fame, I mentioned this at the show too, and this is what I was originally answering because I misread the question. But um, I don't want them to run an angle at the Hall of Fame. I, I have a feeling that they would, but I don't want to see an angle actually run at the Hall of Fame when Ray is being inducted because I just want to see Ray talk about his career. Right? That's kind of how I feel. Uh, I think that this was booked entirely. I think even him getting an the Hall angle. of Fame, and I think he, I think. He deserves it, but I think this was booked for the angle. I think that... Got to get that... into WWE's <laughs> thought process. Like, why would they specifically do it this way? That's why, for me, I don't think they should. But if I'm thinking the way that WWE thinks, I think they will. Yeah, I think they're going to run an angle at the Hall of Fame. And I don't want that. I don't want that. That's so kind of disrespectful but hey uh ryan smith thank you so much for sending in this super chat um but hey will did you have any thoughts on what you think might happen at wrestlemania between ray and dom do you think ray is going to be retiring at wrestlemania or soon after uh i don't know the retirements of wrestling are like interesting because i don't ever think anybody's fully retired anymore and uh unless they like actually put the stip on this match i don't see it unless no, because when did he sign his three-year deal? That was, I guess that was 2020. No, I, I, think that, I think that was 2020. Okay, so yeah, he would be up this year. Um, I don't know. I don't. I. I don't believe retirements in any form of professional wrestling anymore. Look, Trish Stratus is having a match right now after retiring <laughs> I think against Charlotte Flair. Uh, well, the rumor has it she's actually facing Becky Lynch now. Like, she's going to turn heel and face Becky. I situation's totally different, but I get what you mean. You know, never say yeah. never. No one ever really retires, all of that. Well, some people do, actually. Some people do. Uh, but, Ryan, thank you so much for sending in this super chat. All right. um, Let me catch up here. We got another super chat here from CBD's Nuts. <laughs> Says, JR is also a cancer survivor now, and it's starting calling matches at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, and, thank you and, so much to CBD. Discuss. And that's why I will always support JR doing it as long as he wants to do it. And I think that that's, the, that's still a good thing that he's continuing to do it. Um, but as far as being the full-time commentator is concerned, I understand why he's not. Right, exactly. Okay, and now let's go ahead and get into our uh, best of the weeks. Here we go. Will, what was your best of the week? You probably know by now that it is the Iron Man match between MJF and Brian Danielson at AEW Revolution. This is, in my view, the greatest Iron Man match of all time. And that is actually a pretty solid accolade for those two guys to have pulled off. I think that uh, Brian really worked a match 
to showcase MJF and MJF got to go out there and have uh, a match that I think needed to prove something. He needed to prove that, uh, you know, obviously he, he's always talked about the fact that people don't think he's a good wrestler. People compare him to some of the, the other talkers of the world, the guys who talk a lot, but don't necessarily back it up in the ring guys like the Miz or people like MJF has been compared to, but you know, MJF has always kind of made it his mission that when that bell rings, don't compare me to any of those guys because I'm better than them. And I know it. And this was another one of those examples where he got to prove that. I think that um, even beyond him throwing a drink on a kid, uh, this match was everything it needed to be. I think uh, it was smartly paced. It was smartly booked. It really didn't have a whole lot of moments of where it felt dead. It felt like the crowd was into it um, as, as often as they could be for a 60-minute match. Uh, in those last few minutes, it really got exciting. I think, you know, the way Brian picked, ultimately picked up that first victory, showed the world that in a 20-something minute match, it was because I think it was like 26, 27 minutes into it, Brian Danielson hits the psycho knee and uh, pins MJF 1, 2, 3. In a regular match, Brian would be the world champion right now. But obviously things needed to continue. And the way, um, and they even established on commentary that we don't do resets after a pinfall pretty much the match just continues and i love the way max hit the low blow to then give brian it put brian up two to zero and then he just pins brian twice back to back and it's two to two at that point match resets uh but as things continue to go on it got really intense and it goes into sudden death overtime uh and at that point the crowd is going insane that chase center crowd was so loud so active so wanted brian to win this brian for the first time in aew finally got to encourage some yes chance he hasn't done that the whole time he's kind of let the crowd do it but he got to to bring the crowd into it and uh of course in the sudden death finish the uh, oxygen mask that came into play earlier suddenly got to be used and he or the oxygen tank i mean he hit brian with it and then tapped brian out and for everything brian talked about you know needing to uh you know proving something in mjf in the build-up talking about how you need to go home be with your family and stop taking up my ring space and at the end of it brian felt that way brian felt like maybe i do maybe i need to go home this was great stuff. This was exactly what MJF needed to put his reign where he feels like it's going. And this is one of those matches that uh, this was Brian's, was it? Uh, make sure the statement's correct. Yes. Brian's first AEW pay-per-view main event. And for him to get to have one of the greatest Iron Man matches of all time, or in my opinion, the greatest Iron Man match of all time, uh, I think speaks a lot this this is number one with all the stars. I loved it. I mean, I can't disagree with you at all. This match was phenomenal. It was one of those things where I remember when the match was about to start and I'm like, okay, here we go. 60 minutes. We're either going to really feel this one or we're not going to feel this one. And for the most part, I remember Brian Danielson did, doing an interview ahead of the show saying that this was going to be the biggest challenge of his career. And I was like, damn, like, you know, that's kind of cool for Brian to, you know, feel like this is, you know, going to be a big challenge for him. And, but I had like 
all the faith in the world. I didn't think that this match was going to, you know, turn out poorly or anything like that. But with that being said, I do think that it over delivered from maybe what a lot of our expectations were. And they had the big, you know, the big clock up on the uh, Tron and all of that. And I remember when they kind of like updated it and I looked and I'm like, oh man, all of that time has already gone by where you didn't really feel that way. And I'm surprised. And I was surprised, you know, that there was no lack of interest throughout the match. People kept it going the entire time. Um, and then before you knew it, all of a sudden, we're down to the end of the match. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, what? And it was made very exciting with them, you know, continuing the match afterwards. I thought that was a nice little extra touch that they did. It really felt like a... Um, you know, it really just felt like a like a like a story. It felt like a movie. It felt like you were watching this entire thing, you know, play out right before your eyes. And even the follow up to that, the follow up with the MJF promo afterwards, the follow up with Brian Danielson's promo on Dynamite, um, Brian Danielson's promo. I almost included it here on my top uh, favorite things of the week because it was one of those things that like. He did so good at basically showing how much this whole thing affected him, but like in a different way, not so much the loss, but him explaining, you know, his family and how he feels he's been selfish and, you know, maybe not, um, you know, he kind of let MJF get into his head. And that is what we ended up seeing afterwards. Now, had I remembered to include revolution on this list, this definitely would be my number one. It is number one. There's nothing better this week than this. Um, but because I forgot, and I'm starting with Monday, apparently. My brain was like Monday through Saturday <laughs> type of deal. But um, this is the number one pick of the week. And I'll get to my uh, non-revolution pick in just a second. But we got a super chat here from Grapple Geekery who says, AW making me love the butts and seat guy who lied about what fans were chanting after that abysmal final WCW War Games is their greatest achievement. Uh, thank you so much <laughs> to Grapple Geekery for sending this in. Thank you. That's very good, Grapple Geekery. And uh, let me go ahead and continue on from here. All right, cool. So now on to my best of the week. I already said it, though. My uh, the Including Revolution, best of the week was Brian MJF, but not including Revolution. Uh, my best of the week, because I really enjoyed it, man, was freaking Mako Satomura versus Roxanne Perez on NXT. I freaking loved that match. Okay. I told you, my list was going to be different this week. Um, to me... I loved Mako and Roxanne primarily for the reason that um, the story that they're telling or that they've told here, we know that Roxanne Perez, she's very passionate. She's a very passionate person. And, you know, her her heart and her passion is what's gotten her to be NXT Women's World Champion. Mako Satamora, you know, it comes with so much experience and all of this background. And they did this whole vignette prior where Roxanne Perez goes and trains with Mako and it's so tough and it's so hard and this and that. And, uh, you know, she barely makes it out alive and all of this. But in the match itself, you kind of have Mako Satomura getting the best of Roxanne Perez. But Roxanne Perez is like fighting. She's she's uh, you know, she's she's doing everything she can to 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 stay alive, to stay into this match. Uh, Mako Satomura is so aggressive with Roxanne and it's so nice to see. Um, we do see Roxanne Perez retain her championship and then afterwards she collapses. And, you know, obviously this was an angle, but there were so many people that did not believe that this was an angle. There was a lot of people that bought into this. And we've seen Shawn Michaels, this is kind of what he does on NXT where he kind of, uh, you know, 
replays or redoes versions he does of like, his greatest hits yeah. exactly you we see that a lot on nxt so um I, I like i remember on my post show like making sure like people like guys this is an angle like you don't have to necessarily be because there's people that were like i'm so concerned this and that and anyone would be like you know the this is still Honestly, real to me damn it person that's what but, that's when wrestling is at its best is when right, people do have right. that feeling but i didn't want people to like legitimately be concerned though that's why i was like okay just heads up this is an angle don't be legitimately concerned but you know i don't want to ruin the fun for everybody but you do want to also set some boundaries i think not boundaries but let people know like don't you don't have to legitimately like lose sleep over this type of deal but anyways the match itself was phenomenal i thought this was exactly what roxanne needed um i was a big fan of this match loved it so I thought this was a really great week for women's wrestling period, uh, aside from the Charlotte Flair Shotzi match. Yeah, uh, th- this really was a great uh, week for women's wrestling. And uh, this is just a great wrestling week in general. Um, I I walked away from my San Francisco trip just like really pleased with how things went. and uh, And just after each show, I felt fairly satisfied with what i watched even um i haven't seen smackdown in full yet i've se- i saw the closing angle and uh that's like mostly it so i still have to go back and watch that show but otherwise i liked a lot of what i saw this week so i'm pleased i agreed all right guys so that was after the week but before we go just a heads up a friendly reminder that next week there will not be a show because i will be in glendale arizona for taylor swift's concert so we will not be here next week unless something changes we'll let you know um and then on top of that is there anything else i need to say yes youtube.com slash denise salcedo please do not forget to subscribe to the channel i am putting out so much content it's kind of crazy uh please make sure that you guys subscribe i'm trying to get to 100,000 subscribers um i feel like it's gonna happen after wrestlemania will i kind of had hopes that it would happen before wrestlemania but i think it'll happen after wrestlemania uh either way will what do you need to promote to the people william rbr is my twitter account and uh that's where you find all the stuff i do you'll probably see (laughs) the e10 clip on my twitter very shortly i mean you should post it (laughs) yes uh because that was great. No, honestly, you made me post the Wendy's clip. You have to post this one this time. Okay, that's, then I'll that's post on, it. That's only fair. So, yeah, you post Unless it. you have a better caption. No, this is you. You leave it. Okay, this is, I'll leave, I'll okay, leave it to you. To do I will. Either, either way, folks, follow me. William RBR. That's it. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you so much for watching After the Week, and we'll catch you on next week.